0: I'll be reading from the book of Acts, if you have your Bibles, Acts chapter 28, verse 30 and 31, Acts 28, 30 and 31, this is what it says, for two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him, he proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your word. Your word that speaks to us today. I pray that you would convict us, you would change us, you would transform us to the people you're calling us to be. Help us to know what you're calling us into. Help us to respond appropriately. That we may follow you with all of our hearts, with all of our minds, and with all of our strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Whenever you watch a movie, read a novel, or see a play, We're all expecting this, you know, good ending to the story, this good wrap-up that tells us the story's over, and we feel satisfied, we feel happy. Right? Loose ends are tied neatly, the antagonist is punished, the good guy gets to live happily ever after. That's what we expect from a good story ending. One of my favorite movies, Inception, um, had one of those kinds of endings where you're like, I'm not sure if this is a good ending or a bad ending. But we're all left to kind of like go with whatever we think it is we like or we want. Right? If you've seen the movie, it ends with... um... (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Okay, I won't spoil the movie. (laughs) But all I'll say... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's funny, stop interrupting me man um, <laughs> but it ends pretty abruptly it goes straight to black screen old country for, uh, oh, no country for old men same thing, black screen and we're like, ah, oh, this is if you've re- read the movie Gone Girl it's just it feels that way too, just like black screen what happens? I don't know we have no idea Or we're left to think or dream about what that ending could be. In our text today, this is actually kind of what happens. This is the last two verses of the book of Acts. This epic adventure that we read in the book that starts with the resurrection of Jesus was the cataclytic or catalytic event that sparked the movement of the church from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. And most of it is about Paul starting his journey as a persecutor and becoming a Christian. And obviously becoming one of the most prolific writers of the New Testament Bible. Last week we saw Paul made this decision. He had he felt like God was calling him to go back to Jerusalem, but he knew he was going to die, and they, they, you know, like we talked about, they tried to stop him. Don't go. Stay with us. But he said, I, "I, this is this is my calling," and he went. So, if you read from Acts twenty to the to the verse we've just read, you see, Paul goes through this. Crazy, crazy adventure. He's put on trial. He's beaten. He's imprisoned. He's sent to Rome. He's shipwrecked. He's, po- he's been by, by a poisonous snake. And then he's under house arrest for two years. And then it just ends. So we're all thinking, what happened to Paul? what what happened is he or is he set free is he killed we have no idea luke the writer of this book ends it abruptly without telling us what happened to paul but i think he did this on purpose he did this to remind us that this was never about Paul. This was never about any of those great Christian leaders of the early church. Luke ends it this way to remind us that this is about Christ and his kingdom that has come into our world. Oftentimes when we read scripture, especially the New Testament, you know, um, a lot of preachers or pastors or a lot of us, we, we tend to magnify those leaders. Paul, right? And Paul, like, he was a great guy. He was did amazing work. We tend to magnify Peter. John. But Luke, is reminding us, this is not about any of them. This is about Jesus. In our churches today, we tend to magnify the preacher, the pastor. You know? We tend to magnify the leaders of our church. But this is a strong reminder. This is not about me. This is not about any of us. It's about Christ, and his kingdom, let us come into our world. Luke is trying to turn our attention. And it's interesting because even when he started the book, if you look in Acts chapter 1, he starts the book with Christ, the resurrected Christ. Um, in Acts chapter 1, he talks about Christ suffering. Actually, I have it here. He said Acts chapter 1 verse 3 said this. It says this. After his suffering, it's talking about Jesus, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. That's how he begins the book. The kingdom of God, Christ in his kingdom. And that's how he ends the book. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Within this entire book, sandwiched in between it, is Christ and his kingdom. We get to be part of what God is doing in the church because of Christ and his kingdom that has come into our world. And then we're reminded that, yes, Peter, Paul, John, all these great leaders of the early church, they will pass away. But guess what remains? Christ and his kingdom. Nothing can stop the movement of God in our world. It's like what Jesus said. Heaven and earth will pass away. We will all pass away, but guess what remains? Christ and his kingdom. So then, my friends, if we were to bet on anything in this life, here on earth, the one thing we can bet on is what? Christ and his kingdom. You know, there are moments when... when, when I think of, wow, what would it be like if we were to go um, enter the Great Depression? What would it be like? Bank accounts wiped away. Homes wiped. Suffering and hardship. Those things will come. But the one thing we can be sure is that Christ and his kingdom will remain. In Acts, um, um, Acts, um, I think, I believe Acts chapter 5, um, they, the, the, the church at that time um, went through a lot of uh, persecution. They were killed. They were dragged from their homes. They were stoned, as we see in the story of, of, of Stephen. And because of this, they all scattered. They all... They ran away, because in Jerusalem. But then, well, you know what happens with their scattering? God used that very hardship to spread the gospel. In all the parts of the world. They were homeless in many ways. But through the scattering, through their suffering, through the hardship, the gospel was able to spread. Christ And his kingdom will remain. Again, if there's anything we can bet our lives on, if there's anything we can invest our time, our talent, and our treasure, and know that it will grow and and seed fruit in our lives and in generations to come, it is in Christ and his kingdom. Secondly, is this. The ending of this story is a reminder to us that the movement of God in our world has been given to us. That we have been invited to the table. We have been invited to participate in what God is doing in our world. I think of it as a wedding invitation. Whenever you, you're sent a wedding invitation, um, you know that you are not the, the most important person in the room in, at, a, at a wedding, right? You know you're being invited to, you know, a couple, your, your friend's, Wedding. They're, they're, they really are the guest of honor. You are just a guest, <laughs> just a regular person. <laughs> but you have been gifted with this very invitation to come and be part of this celebration. Right? Christ and his kingdom is that guest of honor. Whenever I do a wedding, I tell the couple, like, listen, I know you planned this wedding. I know you've, you've spent all this money. I know you're probably trying to make sure it's going perfectly. But remember, you are the guest of honor. This is for you. Change your mindset. You are the guest We are just here to support you. Christ is the guest of honor. And we have been invited to support what he's doing in our world. We have been beckoned to his table to join with him, to participate in what he's doing. So we are invited to participate, but we're also invited to be part of a family. It's an invitation from God to be part of his children, to be part of his family. That before you are even called to work for him, you're called to be with him. You're called to the table to be with him. And that's what family is like. I like it when I go home to my parents and I don't have to do anything. You know, like, because I don't live with them anymore. I come home, I eat, and I can leave the dishes in the sink. I don't have to clean it. It's amazing. I can just be Craig. <laughs> it's amazing. And that's what God is calling us into, to come and be with him, to come and spend time with him. We live out our relationship with God, not by what I can do for him, but actually by what he's done for me. But I, I, the invitation is not because I'm a great person, but it's because he's the great person. We get to be at the table because of the sufferings of Christ. And because he's reconciled us back to God. This is why I love what we do at our church as we emphasize and maybe overemphasize our hope groups. Because we see that our hope groups are, are a way to challenge people to be part of a family. And sometimes it's uncomfortable. Sometimes you don't want to be in the table. You're like, this is boring. It's a waste of my time. I could just watch Netflix. But we're inviting you to be family And I want to shout out to our Hope Group leaders the work that you put into this in, the, in making your homes available for people, strangers to come in so that we can actually live out what it looks like to be the family of God. The invitation has to be sent. The question is whether we'll come. You know, there, I, there was a season in my life, and you probably have experienced this, When you get five wedding invitations and you're like, oh, my gosh, (laughs) which one am I going to go to? Should I go to all of it? Can I cancel on one? And you're trying to figure out which one. Maybe you're you're, if maybe you're if if you're like me, you're thinking, what is the cost benefit? Like if I go to this one, oh, yeah, he's a close friend. He has a great network, so I definitely want to go to that one. While like you're trying to figure that all out. And you know that the invitation God has given us is a costly invitation too. Because you look at that invitation and you're like, my life is what I have to give up. My needs and my desires is what I have to give up. While that is what we often think about, we have to think about what we actually gain from this invitation. We gain Christ and his kingdom. Something that is permanent, impenetrable, eternal. This is what we're getting. Question is, are we going to heed the invitation? Or are we just going to go about our normal lives doing our normal things? I'll close with this parable by Luke. It's a parable by Jesus. This is what Jesus said A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is ready. But they all, alike made their excuses. The first one said, I just bought a house. I must go see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen. And I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. I'm on vacation. (laughs) I'm going to Italy. (laughs) So the servant came back and told his master everything they had said. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered the servants, you know, go out quickly to the streets to the alleys of the town, and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you've ordered has been done, but there's still room. Then the master said, go out into the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house may be full. Amen. (laughs) I don't know, I just just had kind of like an epiphany the only way we can respond to the invitation God has sent to us is to realize how crippled we are. It's to realize that we're blind, that we're lame, that we have no clue what we're doing. Hmm. Wow. You know, as a pastor, I've... uh, there are moments where I can pride myself in, you know, accomplishments or things that look appealing and, oh yeah, people are coming to church, and it's great. But at the end of the day, if I have to realize I don't know what I'm doing, <laughs> that God is the one who is building his church, and I can't be pompous and proud or pr- prideful that I have no clue what I'm doing. As God has given us this invitation, we, we, I'm begging us. Let us see the true condition of our hearts, the true condition of ourselves, that we are lame, we are crippled, and we have no clue what we're doing. That's why I love parents. Parents. You, have, you just had a new kid and you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I have no clue. You just got a new job. You have no clue what you're doing. That's humility. And God is inviting us, not only to the table, but he's inviting us to a posture Of humility so that we can actually see one not only the true condition of our hearts and ourselves but see the greatness and the power of god and christ and his kingdom that has come to our world to reconcile us to god something that we don't deserve something that we have not earned but through the mercies and grace of jesus we have been invited to be part of his kingdom Amen. I'm going to invite the um, worship team to join us. And I want to invite all of us to close our eyes as we come to a time of prayer. And in this moment, I just want to just close your eyes and just to Um, As we respond, as we sing and worship, that God will help us to see that we are crippled, that we are lame, and that he has invited us to be part of his table, that through his resurrection power, we can now be made whole and well that we can have our dependence not in our own uh, success or in our own ability, but in what Jesus is for us. So Father, I pray for every one of us. As you have called us to be part of your family, as you have called us to participate in what you're doing in your church, that we will come humbly before you and we will come boldly before you and recognize our need of you. Recognize that you have given us true purpose as we sit at the table. Craving now that you give us the eyes to see, the ears to hear, and the hearts to respond to your invitation to be part of your church, to be part of your family. In Jesus' name. And we all said,